0: Good luck with the most beautiful game. Do us proud. Red alert. They're up and running again. So smooth, so sweet, splendid, succinct, just glorious execution. Guys, all I'm looking for is 60% effort, thousand percent of the time. How sharp was that? Sharp of mind and body. And that's why you see those beautiful tears Look at his movements, the most dangerous man on the planet, nobody picks him up. What a goal! Sensational! I swear you'll never see anything like this ever again! The world is left to wonder, wide-eyed, thrilled, bemused, how on earth did that happen? Hello, everybody, and welcome to Wonder Goal, the soccer betting podcast from the Action Network. I am your host today, BJ Cunningham. Michael Lebov is out for an episode. I'll be joined by my friend and co-host, Anthony DeBundo in just a second. But first, I need to tell you that Wonder Goal is presented by Bet365, the world's favorite sportsbook brand. Sign up with promo code ACTION to get Bet365's exclusive sign-up offer in New Jersey, Colorado, and Ohio. Bet $1, get 200 free all right, we're coming with you with a little midweek Premier League action. We have six matches on the docket. Then we'll touch a little bit on a little DFB-Pocal, maybe some Copa Italia semifinal, Copa del Rey semis. All right, there's only one place to start. Uh, it's on Tuesday at 3 p.m. Eastern time at Stamford Bridge. The Graham Potterless Chelsea will be taking on Liverpool. Chelsea sitting at plus 145. Liverpool at plus 180 with the draw sitting at plus 240. We are recording this on early Sunday evening, so the news of Graham Potter's sacking just came out. Uh, so we are reacting to this live. I'll kick it to you first, Anthony. I think it's generally, if they're not getting Nogglesman right away, I think it's generally insane that they sacked Potter at this juncture and not before the international break.
1: Yeah, I can't imagine that it, well, well right before the international break, they were actually doing pretty well in terms of form. Mm-hmm. You know, they had had some pretty good results. They advanced in the Champions League. Uh, They'd beaten Leeds. You know, the the performances seem to have started to turn, especially the results, more more importantly. And and I said on the show that, you know, I didn't think Bully was stupid enough to get rid of him this quickly. Uh, And I still think that the only reason you would do that is if you knew you had Nagelsmann and that you could get him because it doesn't really make a ton of sense. Otherwise, like, I love Graham Potter. I think there's clear evidence that he had turned things a little bit at Chelsea from an underlying performance perspective they finally had ngolo Conte back in the team which was something that you know they have not had all season long and they played really well against villa for the most part uh, i know that the final score they lost 2-0 at home and it's a results industry and and that's how you know that's how managers and clubs judge their you know talent and their managers themselves um but they had been much better you know really since probably you know middle of january uh, i had them uh, you know macro football uh, analysis has them plus 0.63 xG per 90 since New Year's Day. Now, the actual goal difference per 90 was negative. Uh, they were just, they were one goal below uh, below par. So, the main reason was finishing. I mean, they were producing 1.64 xG per match and scoring uh, about 50% of their chances. Uh 50% or uh, 50% of that expected value level. Uh, that's just never going to be sustainable for a manager to override because at the end of the day, it's results and they weren't getting them. So, you know, he has to go and they're going to have to shake things up. Uh, I don't really think it changes my opinion of Chelsea particularly much. It'll be fascinating from a drama perspective. Uh, I still like them on Tuesday against Liverpool. I was planning to bet them either way at home as a pick 'em. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I just think that, you know, this is like the island of the misfit toys. Uh, somebody had a tweet today and they said, you know, if you had to pick Chelsea's best 11, who would it be? And you'd get like eight different answers. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, and then that kind of was really hard, you know, Mudric hasn't really taken uh, Felix been good, but the finishing hasn't been there. Havertz has been good, but the finishing hasn't been there. So all of these like weird pieces, uh, not really quite fitting together has led to a weird situation. But again, uh, I think it was a mistake. Uh, and I'll, I'll keep saying that even as the performances We'll probably say the same, and the result will improve going forward.
0: No, I I agree. It's definitely a mistake. Not only that, but for Chelsea to spend the amount of money that they did with that, and they kept saying like we have this long term plan, we have this long term plan under Potter. We're not gonna you know panic, you know, because obviously, you know Arsenal is the is the model, right? They held on to Mikel Arteta even through the hard times, and look what they got the reward for it. So, um, yeah, I I think the timing is just generally insane. Like, I mean, you're you're playing. Real Madrid in less than two weeks time in the Champions League to progress and now you're going to probably be doing that under interim manager unless they get the Nagelsmann deal across the line very very soon so I think it's generally insane as far as their matchup against Liverpool is concerned I mean Liverpool I mean yet again like another really poor performance away from home Diabolical. it's the problem is and it's something we've been talking about for a long time now it's like Liverpool's team is designed to set up to be able to press high, to be able to win the ball in the final third, get it going forward. They're also set up to be a very possession-dominant team. Suddenly, when they're not able to hold that type of possession and they're the one getting the field tilted on them, you see how, much, how lost they are and how much they struggle to play that type of low block. I mean, again, against United—excuse me, not United City— they had a pass per defensive action of 17.5 and forced just one high turnover. Like that is not a Jurgen Klopp Liverpool. So they give up four goals. They give up 2.4 expected goals to city and they just romp them in the second half. So in this match in particular, I was going to say, you know, if Potter was in charge, I was assuming that Chelsea was going to be able to sustain a lot of possession tilt the field. I mean, they did had over, had did have over an 80% field tilt against Villa and they create over two expected goals and just nothing finds the back of the net. And suddenly, you know, Potter gets sacked. So, We'll see what happens. This is also the rematch of the the thrilling zero zero draw on January twenty first. That you know, over th- around three expected goals were created. Um, you know, Liverpool still have glaring defensive issues that don't seem to be solved don't seem to be solved anytime soon. And their defense has been pretty poor away from home. So, Liverpool has essentially two choices in this match. They can play passive, like they did against City. They can sit deep, and they can look to counter Chelsea. Or they can try and press them high or do some type of hybrid pressing to be able to win the ball in the final third and catch Chelsea out of position. Well, Chelsea is one of the better teams in the Premier League playing through pressure. They're sixth in offensive passes per defensive action. So there's really no like good method of for, for Liverpool essentially stopping when they have to go up and face one of these big sides. You know, they've had good perf- defensive performances against Palace, good defensive performances against Wolves, but Chelsea is a completely different animal. So and I don't know if it's going to be a new manager type bounce because I the general census that I had. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. I'm not in the Chelsea dressing room, but it seemed like that they liked Graham Potter. It didn't seem like they absolutely hated and wanted him gone, and like a, you know Antonio Conte with Tottenham. So um, yeah, so I'll be on I'll be on the over uh, here over two and a half and minus one fifteen. I think is a little low given what happened in the previous meeting and how bad Liverpool's defense is. So uh, and I do project a lower three goals for it. So over two and a half for me uh, in Chelsea Liverpool. All right. Yeah, look, I think if, Sorry, you wanna, if you
1: wanna think about if you want to think about kind of how the market responds to your managerial firing, uh, Chelsea took money against them in this Liverpool match on Tuesday after the firing, and Chelsea went from plus one twelve to plus one fifty to advance against Real Madrid in the Champions League. The first leg, Real Madrid went from minus one twenty up to about minus one forty consensus now. So the market said, Oh, you fired Graham Potter. Well, he's so bad. That we now think you're worse, that's yeah, so obviously, you know the market had respect for Potter, and no market really downgraded them off of yesterday's performance. Uh, no, you know, and I I keep tabs on kind of the lines. and they didn't. and and so, you know, it's, it's clearly not a, a plus E v firing uh, based on the current situation. We'll see who they hire, and we'll see what what happens. But uh, I will be happy to bet Chelsea to better price going forward if if they're going to give me a discount because i I still think this is I mean, it's the first game you expect some kind of response. Uh, And again, the positive variance that we've talked about for months, I've talked about for months, especially. Uh, Yeah. So I like Chelsea. Yeah.
0: I mean, it's just, it's generally, it's insane to to spend the amount of money that they did under the assumption that it was going to be under grant what Graham Potter wanted and then just to fire him essentially two or three months later. So generally insane, but you know what, this is the world. This is world football. It's a results driven business (laughs) and it's, We'll get to another manager that got sacked because now we're up to 12 in the Premier League so far this season. Um, All right, let's move on to one of my six Super Bowls throughout the season. Manchester United hosting Brentford on Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern time. Manchester United is somehow a minus 167 home favorite. Brentford sitting at plus 450 with the draw sitting at plus 300. I think everybody knows where this conversation is going to go, Anthony. Manchester United is still going to be without Casemiro. Brentford put in a, although they conceded a boatload of expected goals to Brighton, I didn't think they were overly that bad against them. So, uh, but let's get your thoughts first on United Brentford.
1: Well, you're going to take your victory lap. You're
0: not going to take your I mean, victory I lap. Mean, I, I, I mean, come on people. I mean, what are we doing here? We know this and I'll get to it in my notes, but United, they don't play up to competition. They've been dominating the bottom half of the table and suddenly everybody thinks they're good. No, 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 no. No, this team. I mean, they did absolutely nothing against Newcastle. Three shots in the first 70 minutes, nothing of value. Oh, sorry. I'm way too biased. So I'll let you get your thoughts first.
1: No, look, I watched every minute of the match today with a man United fan. uh, And that was a fun experience, but I I think that uh, it was very evident from very early on how bad McTominay and silencer were in possession today. They were non-existent Mm -hmm. and you know, United had 54% of the possession in this match, and it's not like they trailed the whole way. I mean, Newcastle didn't really score until, what was it, the 70th minute? They finally scored a 65th minute. So this was a very even game state. For the majority of the match, United had the ball. McTominay is so bad in possession. He had some value defensively, and he's, he gets some shots, but he doesn't do anything on the ball. Uh, he doesn't show for the ball against pressure. Sabitzer... Uh, and McTominay, this is from Mark Mark R. Stats on Twitter too, they contributed less ball progression via the pass than Bruno alone. So it's like playing down a man with the ball. I mean, it essentially is because they're about half of a a player. Uh, Mm -hmm. And that's a huge problem against Brentford because Brentford, you know, we talked about this on the last episode, heartbreak for Michael's plus 450 ticket uh, to give a stoppage time penalty away on a handball. But I mean, it was. There's almost another handball too. And it basically stopped the goal from happening. So you you can't complain. But Yeah. yeah. You know, Brentford is very comfortable without the ball, and they have still yet to lose a match this season in which they've had less possession than their opponents. Uh, so why would I not back them at plus one here? I have to do it. Um, and I'm probably probably going to regret it because I didn't get in on mm-hmm. the United fate on the road. But Casemiro being out, huge loss. Fred coming off the bench, uh, not sure he's fully fit at the moment either. Uh, and that's a, that's a big loss, relatively speaking, because now you're down Erickson, who's so good as a passer, Casemiro, who's kind of the metronome of this team in the midfield, and then Fred, who, look, I don't think he's like a world-class player, but a good player for for the, for United. So when you take them all out, uh, you have a big hole there, and mm-hmm. I don't think that's going to work well against Brentford. So I will take the goal. Uh, minus 118 is the best number I found out there right now. So uh, I like the Bs. And Mm -hmm. yeah, Bees is a dog. We're all going to take it. Michael will probably bet the money line too.
0: Yeah, no, I'll probably take the money line too. I mean, we talk about this all the time. And you, I mean, you said that very perfectly that Brentford is so comfortable without the ball. They're so good at defending their penalty area. And, you know, United, what's been happening consistently for them is like, they're very, very good as as a direct counterattacking style team. And you kind of saw it today. Like you mentioned, they didn't, where they actually held 54% possession and they tried to build up against Newcastle. Well, it didn't really work because Newcastle forced nine high turnovers and then they got them going in transition and then exploited them for about 2.8 expected goals. So now you get in a situation where Brentford, who is very comfortable at the ball, but that's not to say that Brentford just doesn't provide any resistance and they just let you into their final third to do whatever. Like Brentford is still eighth in passes per defensive action. If we remember the last time these two teams met, albeit it was at the beginning of the season. So obviously a ton has changed since then, but Brentford pressed United high and build a play and they forced a bunch of mistakes from them. So now United's in a situation where they say, okay, we don't have Casemiro who's our best transitional defender. The, the way, the way that we have the most success is when a match becomes transitional, right? Like they're very, very good in counterattacking opportunities. They're not very good when they're saying, okay, let's just build out from the back, especially without Casemiro. So if they're going to build out of the back and Brentford's going to press them, I mean, there's going to be so many opportunities in transition without Casemiro. I mentioned in the last podcast with Casemiro, United's allowing 1.1 expected goals. Without them, it's 1.68. It's a massive difference for them defensively, and a lot of that has to do with in transition. And Brentford, if you're a first-time listener of this podcast, they are one of the best teams. They are the best team right now because Brighton has had some bad results playing against the Big Six. This season, they are the only team outside of obviously the big six playing against each other, but the only team outside of the big six that plays the big six that has a plus, a positive expected goal differential plus 0.8. And when you factor in also, like you mentioned every match against the big six, big six, they've held less than 40% possession and they still have a positive expected goal differential. So they are perfectly fine, not having possession and countering United a lot of their success. Obviously they've had, they've been poor on the road. They've been much better at Old Trafford. But a lot of their successes come against the bottom half of the table. Against the top half of the table of this season, they have a minus 5.8 expected goal differential. Like they have not played well up to competition. So, and the splits for Brentford aren't as drastic going at versus at home versus away. They're plus five expected goal differential at home versus minus one at the road. Plus, I mean, Brentford's drawn Arsenal and they've beaten City on the road. Like they've proven that they can do it. So, uh, yeah, I mean, this is a crazy price. I mean, let's think about this. for Like, the way that Brighton's playing right now, I know the results haven't been there, but I mean, this is United's is price just a little bit above Brighton right now. Without Casemiro, are they generally that much better than Brighton at this given juncture? No, they're not. So yeah. uh, I have United projected at minus 105. So yeah, I love our Bs plus. I'm, I'm with you on plus one and I'll probably be sprinkling the money line as well. All right, let's move on to Tuesday. 2.45 p.m. Eastern time. Bournemouth coming off that rousing 2-1 victory over Fulham. They're taking on Brighton. Bournemouth is a 5-1 to home underdog. Brighton sitting at minus 188, with the draw sitting at plus 320 at these odds, as always, coming from our wonderful sponsor at Bet365. I'll turn it over to you first, Anthony. What do you have for Bournemouth-Brighton?
1: Yeah, so I'm going to pass here. Uh, I, I see your point that you're going to make in a second uh, on why you like goals here, and I absolutely see it. I mean, Brighton has been... An absolute juggernaut in, in the last two months, essentially since February started, uh, they averaged the most expected goals for in the Prem, and it's not even that close. Uh, no, they're upwards not. close to two point five xG per no. ninety. The next closest is two point three. That's that's supernova stuff, you know. Now they're playing one of the two or three worst defenses in the Prem by most numbers, uh, except for goals loud, uh, and so I, I think that you know, you can look at this Bournemouth team and, and say, how do they stop them? Uh, you mm-hmm. know, they've conceded, like I said, the most, they're actually, now they're actually the most expected goals allowed in the league uh, this season. So uh, I don't see a ton of things here. It's not as if Brighton is particularly overvalued. The number's about right for me. The total's a little low. I lean toward the over with you, uh, but I have not bet this match.
0: I will be on over two and a half goals at, you can find it at minus 106 as the best price. I mean, you mentioned. I mean, Brighton's just an absolute offensive force. I mean, there some XG models had them creating 4.5 expected goals against Bradford. That is insane to think about how good that is. Obviously, there's a penalty in there, but it just goes to show you how good they are offensively and how many numbers they commit forward under Deserbi against the bottom half of the, half of the table this season. They're averaging 1.9 expected goals in 11 matches. That's Insane. I mean, this is also the previous match was Brighton won at the very end, one nothing on a Matoma late winner. But I mean, they did essentially to Bournemouth what they just did to Brentford. I mean, they held over 70% possession, they had a field tilt over 75%, and created 2.2 expected goals. But the thing with the Zerbi and what happened against brentford which i'm starting to think that like bournemouth is like this brentford junior they're obviously not as good or even close to it but the style of play and how they're able to create these chances are kind of reminiscent of what brentford's doing i mean in that match they still create a 1.1 expected goals against brighton and it's because deservey style of play is uber uber aggressive and it leads them vulnerable in transition defense now they have kaisado who's an incredible transition defender and it helps them, but the numbers they are committing forward to try to, to create overloads, to try to break down these low blocks, it does leave you exposed if you commit that many men forward. Bournemouth, I mean, that was they they cooked Fulham. They created two 2.6 expected goals. I believe that is their best expectable output of the entire season. Maybe the match against Everton right before the World Cup break might have been a little bit more. But since January 21st, the Cherries have created 9.6 expected goals in eight matches. Like that is that is halfway decent for what is supposedly the worst defense, worst offense in the premier league. And they just do such a good job of creating these one or two great chances per match. So, you know, they're, they, they're a top five XG per set piece team. Now Brighton, I mean, they're a bottom five set piece defense. They conceded one against Brentford. They haven't been that good against them and Brighton, honestly, their transition defense hasn't been that great either. So uh, I think this is a good spot here for, For some goals, i project a little over three goals for this match. So I like over two and a half at minus 105. All right, let's move on to a Midlands derby. Leeds taking on Nottingham Forest. Leeds is sitting at minus 125. Nottingham Forest sitting at plus 350 with the draw sitting at plus 260. This match is on Tuesday at 2.45 p.m. Eastern time. I got nothing on this match. I think Leeds is properly priced here. Uh, Leeds worries me a little bit without Tyler Adams, uh, but you know Nottingham. I have no interest in playing Forest on the road, who still, I believe, has just still scored only three goals on the road. So I will be passing. Do you have anything for Leeds Nottingham Forest?
1: I do not either. I uh, am passing here. My first non-bet on Leeds in like three years. But <laughs> what's interesting, uh, I don't know if you watched Saturday, BJ. I did the 10 a.m. window. It, Leeds almost scored in like 11 seconds in. Mm-hmm. They had a chance uh, that know. that Ramsdale had to make a good save on. Yeah, I was uh, I was getting ready to take a very premature victory lap. They made us sweat <laughs> it. We got our goal. Another 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 Arsenal BTTS cash creating uh, yep. that defense uh, in a game that was not competitive otherwise. Uh, but yeah, no, I've got nothing here. I think, uh, yeah, I, I don't want to bet Leeds is a minus one twenty five favorite against anybody in this league right now, given their defensive issues. Wober remains out with an injury. That's a problem. Uh, And so I will sit this one out and we can move on to the other matches, which I have more to say about.
0: Yeah, let's move on to one of the other managers who just got fired on Sunday. Uh, Lester taking on Aston Villa Tuesday at 2 45 p.m. Eastern Time. Lester is sitting at a plus 150 home favorite. Aston Villa at plus 180 with a draw at plus 230. After four years, Brendan Rodgers has been sacked. Again, the timing, it's a mutual consent. The timing's very weird considering how bad Lester started the season and he probably should have been sacked when they were sitting at the bottom of the table. But all of everything I read was that they couldn't afford to sack him. Uh, So it looks like they maybe found some mutual consent where both parties are happy, but I mean, Lester, I mean, they got, they got Roy Hodgson on Saturday. I mean, the crystal palace destroyed them. I mean, it was insane. How I mean, I tweeted it out at one point once Lester went ahead on their on their uh, on the goal. I mean, shots were twenty one to three. I mean, I don't understand what what's going on at Lester, but I have nothing on this match. i I think that the price is generally fine. Um, I still don't really want to back this Leicester
1: team, but you do first time all season, yeah, <laughs> I uh, backed them against United. I, I, so I mean, from from a buy high a buy low and sell high perspective, this is a great situational mm-hmm. spot. This is a I great agree. market spot. The look ahead here was was Leicester plus 125, 120. Uh, we got a ton of market movement because they got the, the the shit beat out of them by Crystal Palace and because Villa got a road win at Chelsea that was entirely undeserved. Look, Villa's up to ninth in the table, and look, I have a bet on them to be the top non-Big Six team uh, that has some life. We're only, what, six points behind there? So, you know, it has some life. But really, if you look at the underlying numbers of this Villa team, uh, they continue to be extremely average. They're unbeaten in, they had a very nice unbeaten run here. Five straight matches in the league unbeaten, four wins and a draw. They have had generally okay performances. You know, they had won three of them on XG. But again, you know, they go to West Ham, they go to Chelsea, they get outplayed pretty solidly and they get results from those matches despite conceding over two XG in both of them. And it's continuously the same problem. I mean, they have been trying to, Emery is insistent on playing out from the back. And look, they played with fire on Saturday against Chelsea. They got away with it. They're winning right now. Therefore, they keep getting away with it. They're not going to keep getting away with it forever. And I think that's the kind of style that Leicester needs here. I've said this all year. I don't think Leicester has no talent. I don't think they're one of the three worst teams in this league. They're now sitting in 18th. I think what happened is it got stale. And I know it's a, it's a narrative thing, and it's what you hear all the pundits will say about Rodgers-Leicester. But you could almost see it. Uh, about halfway through last season, that the cliff had just come for Vardy and they had no other real answers for that. And the defensive regression was very real. And, and I think that will get fixed for one game, uh, for the short term. They do need some squad refreshing. I'm not saying Lester's going to go on a big winning run now, but at home, as a pick 'em against Villa, they're only marginally worse than Villa as a mm. team. I'm going to take them here. Uh, I'm going to buy low on a team that has not gotten a result in five matches and against the team that has gotten a result in five straight.
0: Yeah, no, it's, so, and, you know, the reverse, yeah. Time like, all year. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned the reverse fixture. I mean, Leicester pressed them high and, and caused all sorts of problems. And that was the reason why they yeah. won 4-1. It was all just Aston Villa playing out of the back and just counterattacking opportunities. So, yeah, I mean, I don't hate it. So, I mean, from a situational spots standpoint, it's probably as good as you're going to get for Leicester for the remainder of the season. All right, let's move on to the final match of the six-match slate. This is Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern time. West Ham off their 1-0 win against Southampton. They are plus 260 against Newcastle, who is a plus 115 road favorite with the draw sitting at plus 225. Um, You know, I I was going to pass on this, and then now Newcastle is starting to take some money. So now I'm starting to rethink – maybe a bet on west ham. Uh I do have Newcastle at you know plus 140 uh plus 136 to be exact. So if you give me west ham minus 125 minus 120 or better, I'll probably end up taking it. Uh you know the the problem I have with this is that and I mean the, listen, the reverse fixture West Ham played them very, very evenly. I believe it was one of those matches. We were all on West Ham when it was at Newcastle. Plus Newcastle, one, got, yeah. Yep. Newcastle scored in the third minute. Uh, and then from that point on, they only were able to create 0.7 expected goals. I mean, this West Ham team did a great job of controlling the match against Southampton on on Sunday. They obviously they got the goal in around the 20th minute. And then from that point on, I mean, Southampton had one big chance at the end. But other than that, uh, West Ham controlled a lot of possession and controlled that match very, very well. So uh i don't hate to look at west ham here uh plus a half especially at home there's they're still desperate they still need to get out of the relegation zone uh while newcastle one of the biggest home road splits teams uh in the premier league so uh, generally it is a decent spot here for newcastle so i will be on west ham if the market continues to take money uh or newcastle continues to take money other than that uh i'll probably end up staying away do you have anything for this match
1: yeah i agree it's west ham or nothing here i am waiting a little bit this month. Like you said, the market did move heavily toward Newcastle. I mean, how could it not after the performance of their season, but you know, you had the biggest win arguably of your entire season. Then you have to go on the road against a very scrappy, good defensive West Ham team and Newcastle as a road favorite in this league still has flaws because they don't commit numbers forward. They don't take a lot of chances. They don't break down settled possession or settled defenses all that well. They want to have high turnovers. They want to, you know, get numbers uh, advantages, and uh, you're just not going to get that against this passive Moisian style. So it's West Ham or nothing. If it gets to, like you said, I agree with you hundred percent. My number is pretty close to yours. If if I get plus a half at a little bit less juice, I will be on the hammers to win that one. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, Newcastle, I mean, top four races. I, I'd United, say, yeah. Newcastle, I, Brighton, Liverpool, Spurs. I, all in that race for those two spots.
0: Yeah, I mean it was a it was a great weekend for Newcastle, top four betters. I mean, that was uh I mean with obviously with Brighton drawing and we still have uh recording this on Sunday, we still have Tottenham Everton on Monday, which should be a a rousing match as well. Banger. Um, we should be a banger. Um a wonder goal derby. But uh yeah, all right. So that'll do it for the Premier League slate. Uh let's move on to uh some some cup matches from around Europe. Let's start with in the Bundesliga, with some DFP Pokal in the quarterfinals, uh, the headliner is going to be Leipzig against Dortmund, which I'm going to be on the same side as you, but I'll let you discuss it first. It's the Marco Rosa love triangle bowl again.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, we talked a lot of Der Klassiker on the show with Eric last week, and what would we get from Bayern? That that Dortmund match, man. Like the first ten minutes, I thought Dortmund played really well. They were mm-hmm. in the game. They were, they were causing problems. You could just see it on Coble's face. As soon as he whiffed, the game was over. Mm-hmm. They never recovered. I mean, it was embarrassing. And look, you know, Bayern is clearly the better team. They're at home. They they won, whatever. But the, the first goal and the third goal, I had under, so I was tilting, but I lost again. But just seeing, you know, the guy who's been, you know, the best goalie in the league, arguably this season, who's been elite as a shot stopper for, for more than a year now have those two blunders uh was hilarious uh and sad at the same time but the title race is not over however i do think there's a hangover problem there like now you go on the road to leipzig leipzig just had an embarrassing home loss to mines they got destroyed at home again fine their title for their top four hopes are in trouble this is a revenge angle this is a get right spot for leipzig they're a still a better team in my power ratings they're at home and they're only a plus plus one thirty under uh, favorite on the money line. So I have value on them here. I'm taking them here. If you go back to that first or the last meeting, which had just happened uh, in Dortmund, Leipzig uh, struggled a little bit with some direct stuff over the top, but the, the regular, you know, play moments, uh, the, the midfield exchanges, getting the ball in the other team's penalty area. It wasn't even really close. How much better Leipzig was than Dortmund. And that was at Dortmund. So uh, coming home, in the Pokal, I think this is a, a good spot. I think Leipzig had this one circled. I think they were, they were flat coming off the break. Uh, and I think there is definitely a type of a hangover that comes for Dortmund after getting embarrassed like that. I don't necessarily think there's a bounce back here um, from them. So I, I like the spot and the the number for, for Leipzig at home.
0: Yeah, you mentioned that. I agree. I'm going to be on Leipzig as well. I project them at minus 111. So I'm projecting pretty decent value on here at home. And even that previous meeting, I mean, you know, Dortmund did win uh, to one, but I mean, they, Leipzig won on goals, 2.2 to 1.2 and Dortmund had a penalty. Like they created nothing yeah. from open play. So, uh, you know, Leipzig, I mean, towards the end of the match, I mean, Leipzig outshot them in the second half, 14 to three, like it was a completely dominant second half performance. And again, like you mentioned, embarrassing home performance against mines, you know, Dortmund, obviously that was, that was their Super Bowl. They needed they needed that one to to I would think to have any shot at winning the title. Obviously, the title race isn't over. Well, they, still they still have a their shot. Still have yeah, so a shot. But that was yeah. That was a worse. Yeah, exactly. So, um, but yeah, I mean Marco Rosa against his former team. Uh, we'll see again. Uh, but no, I, I agree with you. I, this is a a good Leipzig spot here. Uh, a Leipzig team that also is very very good on set pieces. And Dortmund still having problems with those. So. Um, it's also a decent Frankfurt spot. Uh, they're at home, I know. Union. I I saw that too. It's gross. I, it's gross. Uh, gross. But
1: Frankfurt beat the shit out of them a couple of weeks ago and and lost uh, yeah. in true Unión form. Um, and Eintracht comes home now. Same more price to this one. Unión, um, you know, has this real Europa League thing going. Uh, they're out now, but yeah, I mean, they're they they're more focused Union. on top four, I think in the Pokal. True. Yeah. But uh, they're more focused, on, I think, on the Bundesliga. I don't know, uh, but I, I don't want to bet Frankfurt because I don't like them either. It's a luck box bowl, but yeah, uh, Frankfurt does have the better underlying numbers and is at home, so it could be a good Frankfurt spot. Yeah.
0: All right, let's move on to uh, let's move down to Italy. The Coppa Italia semifinals. You have something for us in these semifinal matches.
1: Yeah, I keep going back and forth between betting on and against you, uh, Inter Milan. Uh, I bet on them, they lost. I bet against them, they lost. So uh, I'm betting on them again. Uh, on the road at Juventus, uh, plus a 135, draw no bet. I bet it this morning. I just think that's a, a wild misprice. I'm expecting a very conservative approach from both managers. Really, the biggest problem has been the finishing. I mean, Martinez and Lukaku have been brutal in front of goal for the last month, and it has cost them. They just can't score. I mean, when your entire attack is built around getting good shots for those two guys, you get those good shots, and they don't finish them. You run into the problem they have now, where, you know, against Porto in the Champions League, they squeaked by because they couldn't finish anything. And uh, they get rolled by Juventus uh, and then they lose to Fiorentina in a match there with a better side. So eventually positive regression is coming for these two. Uh, I don't expect Lukaku and Martinez to miss forever. And I like them better than Inter or Juventus. So even on the road, I like them in this spot. Uh, John O'Beth plus 130. Uh, should be a good matchup. It's fun because you know, you get to the it's like a cup week and there's all these right. pretty high profile matches, including the one we're going to talk about next. Yeah,
0: time. I read something. He's got three matches to save his job, so um, yeah, he's
1: yeah, I, I, he's Inzaghi's be- done, I think, at the end of the year, either way. Yeah, um, unless they like win the Champions League, right? Uh, but which means uh,
0: you know who's coming back then, right? It's I don't him.
1: think Conte goes back to Inter. oh, of
0: course, he comes back to enter. Come on, I don't think so. We'll see. Uh, I saw they were targeting Deserbi as well. I'm like, everybody wants Deserbi now. That, stay away. That make a lot of sense. <laughs> like, stay away from Deserbi. The Let them stay upright in full more season. Um, for but yeah, we'll see. All right, let's move on to another uh, cup semifinal down over in Spain. The Copa del Rey semifinals. We have an El Clasico between again, again. <laughs> what is
1: this third like? El Clasico in like a month?
0: It was just like the sixth meeting between these two so far this season. Um, actually, I think it's it, it is the we should fifth be fifth fifth, right? Yeah. Okay. Two um, league meetings,
1: two cup meetings. This will be the third cup meeting. Barça's right. uh, cooking them of late. They've won three in a row. <laughs> yeah,
0: Barcelona has been has been cooking them late. They do have a one nil aggregate lead over Real Madrid. Let's talk about that match really quick because Barcelona, after they just played two weeks ago in. Or right before the international break in La Liga, Barcelona sitting at plus 108, Real Madrid at plus 240 with the draw sitting at plus 245. This is generally the same price that they were two weeks ago. And they won that match 2 1. Uh it was, you know, I thought a pretty deserved Barcelona win. I have them projected a plus 105. So I don't I don't really see much value on it. Um, you know, over under is sitting pretty much priced at you know minus 110 both ways. Um, so I think it's just generally fairly priced just like it was two weeks ago do you have anything for barca real madrid though
1: yeah i mean i bet the over two weeks ago uh and i still do like the over here a little bit uh not as much in the cup match just because you know we saw barca went so the first leg last month uh real was minus 110 at home you flip it now it's barca i project barca a little bit more of a favorite too i have them like minus 108 but barca went with a very conservative approach they didn't even really want the ball they didn't even have Lewandowski. they played for torres Uh, As the lone striker, basically sat extremely deep and said, let's just get the point. Now they come home. Real has to go for it. I think they're going to have more of the ball again just because of the game state. Uh, I think that Barca could just defend and try to shut it down. This Barca defense has run like gods all year. uh, And and Real's transition defense remains flawed. So, uh, yes, I see the case for the over probably ended up sitting this one out but if you had to bet it it would be the over again for me i mean like i said i bet it two weeks ago there were over two and 2.9 i think xg and it was a very controversial var that went off that, that screwed it as well um but it was a clear over and uh i would look that way again
0: well the other semifinal match is one i'm actually very intrigued by bill Bao <laughs> and osasuna um i i mean I'll have both teams to score no at minus 148. I mean, there's no reason that a both teams to score no should be sitting below minus 150 in a match between these two teams. Osasuna has created over one expected goal in one match since November 8th of 2022. It's been that bad offensively. They have not scored for four matches. The last time they scored was in the first leg against... Bilbao at home they won the match 1-0 despite creating around 0. 0.7 expected goals uh, these are two of the best defenses in the premier uh, excuse me in La Liga at preventing you from getting into the penalty area you know as soon as defense has regressed a tad bit you know they've conceded over one expected goal to Vigo Valencia and Villarreal as of late um, But they have a one-nil uh, aggregate lead, so it's a very, it's going to be a very, very defensive approach. They're just going to defend their penalty area. They are top five in La Liga in penalty and final third to penalty box conversion rate, so allowed. So you know, Bilbao, Bilbao is obviously an amazing offense. They're very, very good in counter-attacking opportunities. But asking them to have the ball, control a ton of possession against the Sosa sooner team, not really what they want to do. So given how bad Austin's offense has been and the fact that they're, it's going to be a very, very passive approach for them. And even if they concede, I mean, the, the game plan doesn't change at all. They're going to have to concede too before they actually come out of their low block and actually try to get forward and actually you know put this game away. So uh, given how bad their offensive performances have been, uh, I think both teams' to score no at minus 148 is far, far too low. Should be probably around minus 175. All right, that'll do it for this episode of Wonder Goal. Thank you all for tuning in. We will, all three of us will be back on Wednesday along with Eric Winalda uh, to preview the weekend slate. As always, rate it five stars. Tell us how much we suck. I don't care. Please give us a five-star review. It really goes a long way for us. Uh, And good luck with your wagers in the midweek. We'll see you all on Thursday.